0: Welcome to Living Faith United Methodist Church. We are located on 53 Grove Street in Putnam, Connecticut. Our worship service is at 10 a.m. on Sundays. As you listen to this message, we pray that you are blessed and discern how you can serve our God and neighbors. If you want to know more about our church and how you can be part of ministries of mission and outreach please visit our church website at livingfaithumc.net the gospel reading today comes from luke 9 chapter 9 verses 28 through 36. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And went up on, and while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him they appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure when he was about to accomplish, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. Just as they were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word.
1: Good morning, church. I have one more reading that I want to share with you this morning from Prophet Isaiah chapter 2, verse 4, just one verse. God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. Then they will, bet, then they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning tools. Nation will not take up sword against nation and they will no longer learn how to make war. Let us pray. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be set to in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. A Father, holding his daughter tight, and she tells him, Daddy, please don't go. The father says a farewell to her. While she escapes her country, her father stays behind in the city of Kiev and joins the civilian group to uh, to fight. The couple was expecting to get married in May. However, they could not guarantee whether they could survive long enough to get married then. So they decide to marry early. Instead of going away for honeymoon, they take weapons in their hands to fight for their home and for their country. A little girl records herself asking the president of Russia to pull back his troops, urging the whole world to watch what is happening to her people. As we watch the soldiers shooting their rifles, fighter jets dropping bombs and tanks marching, women and children crossing the border in tears, it is hard to believe that this is the world we are living in the 21st century. The fact of the matter is that we have already been at war these past years. We've been at war with the pandemic as this virus has killed more people than those who were killed during the World War. We have been already at war with the hunger and poverty. And as every second, our children in some part in this world die from the hunger. We have been at war with racism in this country as the black community still continues to decry the violence against their men and their children. As we gather this morning with a heavy heart, we can ask why this Russian invasion of Ukraine took place. Why did this happen? In his recent interview, Steve Pfeiffer he is a fellow at Stanford University and former ambassador to Ukraine. He shares the following insights. He says, Mr. Putin desires Ukraine to turn their backs on each Western course and show their loyalty to Russia. Ironically, Pfeiffer points out that it was none other than Mr. Putin who created this conflict in the beginning because of Russia's capture of Crimea and its role in the conflict in Donbas that led to the death of more than 13,000 lives. Although Ukraine desires to live as an independent country on a sovereign state, Mr. Putin operates on a misguided nationalism, ready to exercise violence against anyone who is opposed. As we observe and feel brokenhearted to hear the protests in Russia also, the people were protesting in Russia and arrested by the police. And that we hear the cries of women and children in Ukraine today, we turn to the words from Prophet Isaiah this morning. This is an eschatological vision of how differently the world will look when the reign of God is fully realized on this earth. He proclaims, God will judge between the nations and settle disputes of mighty nations. And they will beat their swords into iron plows and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation. They will no longer learn how to make a war, he says. I mean, wouldn't it be a, a radical vision for this world? that we turn our weapons into tools for farming and gardening. And we imagine world without war. When Isaiah shared this radical vision, his nation of Judah was under attack by Babylonians. As you know, the kingdom of David broke into two nations after he died. The northern kingdom called Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Isaiah and the people in the south at the time had already seen what happened to their siblings like the relatives in the northern kingdom, Israel, as they fell to the, uh, the, the, the army of the uh, Assyrians in 721 BC. And Isaiah warns his people in the southern kingdom, Judah, that they would also fall to the foreign country. Their cities will be burned and ruined. And their children will be captured and taken as captives to the um to their foreign land. That's what happens when we see that there is war in some part of our country. The other day, I went to park shopper for some grocery shopping. There, I saw Richard. Actually, you know, it's funny he's sitting in the back this morning. I saw Richard from our church. He usually wears the cap that says Vietnam War Veteran." When I asked him how he was doing, Richard started telling me how unhappy he was that his wound from the war was not recognized to be compensatable for a long time. And then he started telling me what he saw during the war, his fellow American soldiers being gone down and the Vietnamese civilians being blown up here and there, you losing their limbs. And I told him, Richard, did you know that my uncle also went to Vietnam with the Korean army? When it comes to war, there's no winner and loser. Everyone becomes a victim, not a victor. A couple of weeks ago, I went to see Stan. He's uh, 93 years old now. He went to, I went to see Stan. They came to hospital because he had uh, two falls the night before. When I saw and, met and sat with him, I asked Stan, Stan, didn't you go to Korea during the war? And he said, yes, but I was stationed in Japan at the time. Did you know that I signed up to join the parachute unit and jump out of the airplane so that they would pay me $50 more. And we both laughed. And you know, it's hard to imagine that young people were drafted and sent to the war with no guarantee that they would come back home alive to see their parents, see their siblings or their children, their spouses. And as we gather at this moment, as we worship, as we share this word from the Bible, somebody. Is dying right now from the war in Ukraine this morning. In the midst of violence and trouble, desolation and prophet Isaiah proclaims they should beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning tools. Nations shall not lift up sword against the nation, neither shall they learn war anymore, he says these words are carved into the wall across from the united nations building in new york barbara Lundblad, who taught preaching at union theological seminary points out that the paradox between these words and the people in the general assembly debating on sanctioning against iran and riding their hands over a hundred thousand people killed in syria rebuking the u.s for the inhumane treatment of the prisoners in Guantanamo Bay. As we find ourselves in this paradox, many of us could shake our head and we say, that's just the way it is. We just need to accept that war and violence as a part of human reality. However, Martin Luther King Jr. once said, We must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. He says never lose our infinite hope. If our hope comes from God who still works with human beings to create the redemptive story of God by God's grace, that God invites you and me be part of what God is doing in this world, in God's redemptive love, then our faithful response is not to fall into nihilistic depression and say, there's nothing we can do about it. But we reach our hands out to our neighbors in humility and pursue healing, renewal, and restoration. That we work to mend the wounds and brokenness of this world together because that's what God is doing. As we find ourselves what the world is and what the world could be, we should always orient ourselves toward the future of God where justice rolls down like waters and the righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And this is the vision Prophet Isaiah proclaims the world can be. One day the world is coming where the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid. He's talking about the world where a little child leads the calf and lion together and the cow feeding with the bear. And the lion is a straw like an ox. It's not about our capability or ability to imagine the world differently and say whether something is realistic or not. But the future of our world is shaped by the redemptive hands of God who would lead nations to reconciliation, who would see both the rich and the poor at the same table and feed them at the banquet and seek renewal and restoration of God's world one day. Last year, I saw a news article that it says on Sunday morning, Reverend James Curry brings a hammer and tongs to the backyard of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Newburyport, Massachusetts. He fires up a portable forge and turns a gun better white hot and bangs it and bends it. This program is called Stores to Shares, which grew out of the tragedy of Sandy Hook Elementary School back in 2012. These guns are secured from the police department, gun buyback programs. After these weapons are turned to agriculture tools, then they are donated to community gardens, high schools, or churches. Although these were once tools of violence, they now serve a new purpose, to tool of peace. I don't know about you, but to me, a story like that is a witness, a kingdom of God that breaks into this world. That we know that what God desires us to be is not that far from us time to time, we see that kingdom of God is right among us when we forgive one another, when we heal the sick, when we sit with the poor and eat with them together, and when we welcome the strangers to us. The kingdom of God is right here among us. Again, Dr. King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that, he said. In times of chaos, violence, wound, and sorrow today, we hold the hands of Christ, who is risen from the most violent death he suffered. As he tells us, do not fear, for I am with you. The love of God empowers us to take courage in God, who is the ultimate judge between the people and people and the nations and nations. That we lay down our weapons, and instead hold hands our neighbors to forgive one another, be reconciled with one another, and one day we serve one another.
0: Amen.